mentally knowing that like a medal is slipping away from you and you literally can't move your legs any faster it's just like the worst thing in the world OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB sports app OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar we're looking back at the heavyweight fight between Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua uh, Ronan Mullen is here with us Ronan I went to bed straight at, at, as soon as the fight was over because I was absolutely shattered didn't even stay up for the because I just assumed it was a unanimous points decision with like a clear cut oh, four to six round victory for Usyk like you reach that point in life where you don't stay up for the events anymore right that's the thing well, I stayed up for the whole fight well, I mean, you did well then I mean, it was yeah. an earlier start it wasn't your 3am job yeah. it was the bit where it's like well I know I know there was here so I'm just going now but actually so you I, didn't even wait to hear the scores right out no because I didn't oh need God. to oh, but well. one of the judges was there going well uh, uh, he's sitting there going teaching well, me a lesson what a fight from Joshua that was so I, yeah. explain how that happened explain how the split, split decision. decision well Glenn Feldman was accosted after the fight by Rob Tebbett a roving journalist who said what was the story there and Feldman essentially deferred to his supervisor saying he couldn't really answer that question. So Feldman's the judge who scored it yeah. in favour of Joshua. Um, and, you know, the usual line of it's subjective, etc. And to be fair, Joshua boxed much better this time than he did in the last fight, I think. 7-5 um, Usyk, I can definitely see. I think that was around the score I had. And it's just, you can't make a case that Joshua won seven rounds. I, I think Steve Bunce is the only other person I've seen make that case, and, and he was ringside, so much better va- vantage point than me or most of us. But a, a lone voice in the in the crowd there is Steve Bunce, because I think most people thought quite close in the ninth round. I think if you look at the judges' scorecards, they all had it within one round either way. Right. And Joshua had such an impressive ninth round that Eddie Hearn was scuttling over to Joshua's corner in between rounds saying he's gone, he's gone, you've got him. And then Usyk produces one of the all-time great heavyweight rounds in round 10, puts on a masterclass and just streaks home after that, takes the 11th and the 12th as well, in my opinion, I think in the opinion of most. So any doubt that might have been simmering around uh, going into those championship rounds was eliminated because Usyk put on a virtuoso display at the end there. Yeah, when it was right there for Anthony Joshua to reclaim this and to catapult himself into the all-time greats he couldn't do it no and like it's tricky like we did the the pre-fight breakdown with Eric Donovan and Declan Taylor and all of us picked Usyk by stoppage because we thought Joshua would throw caution to the wind and just get caught with a check hook or something on the way in and as it turned out he he had a very sophisticated game plan Joshua but he wasn't winning enough rounds to justify the game plan. It was like fighting not to lose almost in some ways, which is doing him something of a disservice because if in that ninth round he had like bided his time to that point and if he had picked a perfect shot and put Usyk away, you would have thought perfect tactics by Joshua. He didn't gas out. You know, he paced himself. But as it turned out, he, he kind of ran out of time and we went out of that ninth round thinking the tide had turned irrevoc- irrevocably in Joshua's favour. And as it turned out, <laughs> like Usyk was the one who came out in round 10 and Joshua had basically given his best shot in that round 9 yeah it, it, the start of round 10 was the bit where he could have pressed home some kind of advantage but actually he just allowed Usyk to regain his life and as a result of that Usyk took massive confidence in the fact that the storm was over exactly I think Joshua in some sort of cruel irony the, his most impactful round was round 9 but as it turned out it emptied the tank on his behalf and meant that Usyk was able to take over. But Usyk had the resolve 
and the, the technical sophistication to pick the correct punches in that round 10 and take over. Like As much as he displayed skill throughout the fight, he displayed enormous will as well to bounce back. and Usyk. Usyk, to, yeah. re- to reclaim or hold on to those belts that Joshua would throw on the floor a few minutes later. But you know, I think when the chips were down, quite literally, um, Usyk was the one that came out on top. Um, a, a couple of just bits and pieces in the actual fight itself to talk about then. Um, at the end, when it looked like he was completely gassed, Joshua was leaning on Usyk and kind of wrestling him around the ring. When you're like two and a half, three stone heavier and you know your opponent is essentially fitter than you are or more mobile than you are, why don't you do that from the start? Like, if 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 Tyson Fury was in that round uh, fighting Usyk, it's not just going to be hiding behind the jab. He's going to lean on him and he's going he's gonna to weigh him down and he's going to tire him out. Is that just the ring craft that Joshua doesn't have because he can't do it? Uh, what, what's behind his, like, being nice to his opponents? Yeah, like, the ring craft point is a pertinent one because it was where he fell down in the first fight. He, he bought all the talk about Usyk being this transcendent boxer, this master craftsman, and Joshua wanted to go out in Tottenham and prove, you know, I won an Olympic gold medal as well, I can outbox him. And ultimately you have, like, like a classically trained musician against the New York Philharmonic because Usyk has a global skill set, he's better than Joshua in every aspect. Like from a tactical standpoint, the one thing Joshua does have in his favour is that size. And I thought bringing in Robert Garcia, he was going to go back to that elemental basis a little bit. Like he he uh, parted ways with Rob McCracken, who was his Olympic coach and his Team GB coach, and Gamak Garcia, who's an out-and-out pro guy. And Garcia was telling him after four rounds. 4-0, you've won every round and you could definitely make a case Joshua won a couple of those rounds but there was no way he had the ascendancy in the way his corner was telling him so the one thing Joshua needs to take away from this and I think he can take away a lot I think his stock went up uh, I think he boxed quite well against possibly the best fighter in the world but he needs to go back to the fundamentals a little bit the things that made him an exciting fighter when he was coming through and it's going to be a bit of matchmaking now because He's not at the dance now. It's Usyk and Fury who are going on to to determine who the best heavyweight in the world is, and Joshua needs to be needs to find his way to be the the heavyweight champion of the rest of the world and take on the likes of Dillian White again, or Joseph Parker, or fight Deontay Wilder. Like who wouldn't want to see that? Like Wilder's fighting Robert Hellenius uh, later this year, and if Wilder gets a comeback fight and you saw the fireworks he and Fury had, throw Wilder and, and Joshua in there and have an absolute firefight. Yeah, what what does the boxing purist such as yourself what do they think of Anthony Joshua because like, I think there's some Kenny Egan coming up and he would have been speaking about maybe um, some of the fights that were picked for him on the way up and he was maybe I don't know like a, a great story like, a, like there was a great story so there was always a suggestion that the story was crafted in such a way uh, to sort of further his uh, his progression accelerate his progression like you tell me like has he has he spoken of yeah, it's it's really interesting. I put this so Declan Taylor's on the beat over there, and I'm kind of fascinated by the perception of Joshua because that there is, as with most things in life, it's polar opposites. You either fall down on Joshua's a hype job, never had it, or he's you know underrated. You know he's actually a really good boxer, and there's no room for the grey area. Like I think he has been manoeuvred quite well, but you know he has had signature wins as well. You look at his CV; he's beaten some top contenders, and I know that. The timeliness of the Klitschko fight at Wembley fell quite favourably for him and he had to come through hell to ultimately win that fight, but that was the breakout moment for him as a crossover star. So he has had big moments as well, but you go right back 
to 10 years ago and his first fight at London 2012 and a lot of people in the attendance would tell you he was quite fortunate to get the nod in that opening round and then lo and behold he goes on and wins a gold medal in his hometown and the sky's the limit thereafter. Eddie Hearn sees dollar signs and that's what they cashed in on ultimately. So he's at a really interesting juncture now. He's, I think he's lost three of his last six. So I do think that legacy is, is interesting, right? Because um, I saw somebody talking about, oh, he saved boxing on Twitter and then getting absolutely hammered by everybody. for like, wow, boxing existed. It's like the Premier League kind of thing, mm. right? But actually, there, there's a there's a genesis of truth in the fact about the heavyweight division in particular. We, we'd stopped watching, the, the common sports fan had stopped watching heavyweight boxing when the Klitschko's ruled the division and were fighting in small halls in the middle of Europe against no marks who never had a chance of beating them. And then... Actually, I know you're saying it's the end of the Klitschko career, but somebody had to come and take yeah. it. And actually... Well, Fury did it first. But I think Joshua put the exclamation point on it. Uh, like, Fury went over to Germany and basically neutered the Klitschko ascendancy, whereas Joshua put the final point on it with the, with the knockout and the nature of it. But was it, was it also during the period where Fury was effectively in, in retirement? Yeah. And, and so it looked like there was nothing there and at least brought a massive surge of uh, public interest to it again where we are supposed to be interested in this because it is, it is incredible theatre and it's like absolutely brutal as a sport. So uh, it's great to watch. Yeah, I think his role in helping to repopularise sure. the heavyweight division is something that stands in his favour. Yeah, but like, what's going on with him afterwards then? Because this is the thing, like the well, he became a celebrity and got loads of money. Yeah, but I mean, like, so I'm saying after the, oh, after, the fight the other night. after the fight the other night, because mm. it's sort of you're talking about legacy and and sort of all this uh, the power of the personality. And yet, it seems there's this other sort of side to this fight, which is, I mean, he's 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 doing the old social media apology the day after, which is never a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was his own crafted line, but he said something like, I was battling my emotions, I was battling Usyk, and I lost both. So it's a good line. It was you, a very good line. When you put it in that kind of context or put yourself in that mind frame, you can kind of see after 12 rounds of concussive punishment and apparently crazy uh, temperatures in that arena, the dehydration levels, I think, from both fighters, they both mentioned it after the fight. So that conflict... or. Um, that combination of factors, I think you can kind of see why someone wouldn't be thinking overly clearly, but that was kind of the extreme of that where he was quite incoherent. And I think if you could take that back, needless to say, he would, the thing with the belts almost, I think he was told on his way back to the locker room, that wasn't great. Maybe you should go back and apologise. Kind of escalated from there. So, yeah, I think unfortunately for him, he's going to become a meme for the foreseeable future. And I think it's probably in his best interest to get back in the ring and maybe move the story on if he can. The uh, the sweating in um, the ring was so bad that they had to stop the fight a couple of times to dry down um, the ring itself. And uh, was it Joshua was getting wiped down? Or was Usyk was getting wiped down? There, like, yeah, it had been problematic earlier in the night as well. So um, Maybe we shouldn't be having fights in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, there's a plethora of reasons why we shouldn't be, but that's... Um, Sporting hotbed. Um, Very hot. Very, it turns out it's too hot. Yeah, it's you know? just, just sometimes it can be too much. And it, it can have an impact on stuff like yeah. this. Like, but I wonder, um, Fury Usyk, as I mentioned, is, is the go-to fight now, but I think it probably would sell out a uh, stadium in the UK. Does it have the raw box office attraction to go to Las Vegas or 
He's uh, back. And so you think it's inevitable that that fight will happen next? Well, Fury can't be seen to, on one hand, be saying, I'm the best heavyweight of this era, I'm the best heavyweight of all time, and then dodge the best contender. Like, Usyk has a very... Um, like, you look at Josh, or you look at um, Fury's resume, he obviously beat Klitschko, and that's incomparable, I think, given where Klitschko was at at that time. But then his best win, aside from that, is, is Wilder. And Usyk's just beaten Joshua twice, so... You know, he's beaten the other guy in, in that little trio. So I think Fury has to be Usyk to basically copper fasten any notion that he's the de facto number one. I think as things stand, you'd have to give him that crown if he actually does um, firm up that on retirement. But it's a fascinating fight. Like I have to give it some thought because you've got two absolute otherworldly technicians here and Fury's got the size and boxing's rife with adages but one of them is a good big and beats a good little one. and they're two very good very good ones but um, Fury has that size and it, it could be difficult to look past that ultimately because he knows how to use that size yeah. in a way Joshua doesn't yeah yeah that's the bit that um, you think would, would put it in his favour now in retrospect given what we've just seen surely Tyson Fury is thinking why didn't I take the 100 million payday and fight Joshua yeah. and have a trilogy with him because I would have beaten him three times yeah, I think that fight will come to pass eventually. Joshua could lose his next couple and still the Fury fight would make money because for all that Joshua could be um, dismissed in certain quarters, uh, skill set wise, he has got power. And in the heavyweight division, that is an equaliser. And Fury might just lax uh, or lapse at some point in the fight and give Joshua an opening and you just never know. It, but, seems, it seems to me that there's something introverted about his character in the ring that you can't have if you're going to be an all-time great heavyweight. That actually, when the moment comes, you need to rise to it as opposed to... Uh, that, that, uh, it's always in the football part about um, Jim Gavin saying, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall back in the level of your training. And that's clearly happening to Joshua. But actually, to be the great heavyweight, you need to be able to get up off the canvas the way Tyson Fury did, or you need to be able to do what he did that first time against Klitschko, where it's like you're, you're out of... You're, you're something bigger in the moment. Like, he's a very good... He's had a great career. He's incredibly rich. It's an incredible story. But if he used to be an all-time great, that ninth round, he needed to finish it. Or the tenth round, he needed to come out and follow it up. But his character was to step back and go, ooh, the moment is here for me, and I'm not big enough for it. Mm. Like it's irrefutable. You look at parallels in the past, and I mentioned Klitschko had his adversity early in his career, a little bit more gung ho in the first third of his career when he teamed up with Emmanuel Stewart. It was more safety first belt and braces, but he wasn't afraid to put opponents away either. And then Lennox Lewis had those bolts from the blue defeats, and you know did get a bit more measured in his approach. But again, like if he saw an opening to end a fight, he ended it. And I think you can't dismiss. The, the fact that Joshua is not the same fighter as he was before he got knocked out by Andy Ruiz, because that was such a humbling defeat on all levels. Like, how could it, how could this Adonis lose to someone like Andy Ruiz, 
uh, quite apart from the fact that Andy Ruiz is actually a really good fighter, but it's just the, the optics were bad. Any notion that Joshua was this, you know, perfect specimen in the non-boxing circles was gone after that because he lost to this guy who looks like a schmuck. And then, you know, when he beat Ruiz in the rematch, it was quite uninspiring. It was, there were many flashpoints. And then every fight thereafter has been, there's been an absence of jeopardy and certainty of outcome, I think, in, in how he went about things. So I think, as I said at the start, I think he needs to go back to the elemental levels a little bit. I think a Dillian White fight would give him the eye of the tiger back because if you go back and watch their first fight, um, it wasn't so much a boxing match as a, just a fight. So I think that could be the one that recaptures it for him if he, if he goes that direction. Okay, so that's his future. How quickly does the Usyk-Fury fight get made? Can it happen October, November, December, or is it a 2023 thing? I think it should happen towards the end of the year. It's got as, it's got as much momentum now as, as it's going to have. What this sport doesn't need and what this fight doesn't need is this to linger for another 12 months and the two lads to take interim fights in between and one of them loses or gets injured and it just dwindles away. Because how many chances now have we had where two fighters have had all the belts and could have matched up? Like you had it with Joshua and Wilder, you had it with Fury and Joshua, now you have Usyk and Fury... And at some stage, these two lads just need to get it on. So um, ultimately, I think that will happen. I think there's enough will there and enough money there, more importantly. So hopefully towards the end of the year. But I think I'm more optimistic. I think this fight will happen, actually, in the next six months anyway. All right, Ronan, good stuff. Thanks very much for joining us. Cheers, lads. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 